You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. In one of my favorite experiences in my undergrad studies at Carroll, I was in an ethical theory class. It's a sort of class on trying to bring together sort of holistic view of ethics in the world, I guess it's to whatever end. And I was, I was doing a presentation, and so I raised the, the moral quandary of, if you lived in the Holocaust, would you be willing to take Jews into your home if you had small children? Because then, you know, the small, your small children, your own children would be at risk from the people that you're hiding. They're also young, and they don't really perceive the danger, and they might accidentally say something about it to someone who they shouldn't talk to. So there's a lot of elements to the situation, and and to try to provoke some discussion on it, called on my classmate and asked him what he would do. And he thought about it for a moment and then said, I don't think I'm qualified to make a judgment on that one. I was like, well, I didn't ask you what the right thing was. I asked you what you would do. And he's like, I don't know, I can't say. I just can't answer that. So everyone in the class was getting sort of annoyed with him. and just like, just answer the stupid question, man. It's, just, it's not a big deal. And he just flat refused to, to give any sort of answer on whether he would or wouldn't do it. And then I was, I was sort of just disgusted with him because he'd ruined the discussion by this time. And then he finally said, look, look, if some, if some moral authority came... And, and told me what the right answer was, I would do it. But, then, but until then, I just, I just can't say what I would or wouldn't do. And we were all just stunned. Because it's like, this, this kid was in that moment, like, the absolute incarnation of everything that is weak and pathetic about the modern era. He's like, just unwilling to take a position on anything. You know, a refusal to act with any sort of authority. And it wasn't even because he was too nice. It was because he was afraid of what people would think of him, no matter what answer he gave. And so it had the effect of making him a sort of like repellent person because, you know, if if someone's incapable of making a judgment of a situation and acting, they're not the kind of person you want around when the going gets tough. It's not even the kind of person you'd want around when you're like trying to decide where to go to lunch. You know, like they're, they're always the one who just can't decide what to do. And so you can hopefully see from the example of my kind of mega-tolerant buddy that, that Jesus in this gospel isn't telling us that, that we're not supposed to make judgments about the world because we actually just need to make judgments and act on things to survive. It's not a matter of, it's not a matter of being uh, good or evil. You just have to do it to survive. But he's giving us a guide on moral judgments. And He's kind of giving us a foundation from which to act, you could say. So let's look at the image that he gives, because I think it's a good one to guide, to guide us here. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but not perceive the wooden beam in your own eye? You hypocrite. Remove the wooden beam from your own eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. So we got the splinter and the beam. Does this, is the Lord telling us that we need to, in a sense, like, 
perfect ourselves before we can make a judgment on our neighbor? I think that's a good question. I think most people would answer, in some regard, yes. You know, you've got to clean your house before you go and tell, talk to someone else about their mess. But have you ever, in a very literal way, have you ever tried to remove something from your eye? Have you ever had something substantial in your eyeball and tried to pluck it out yourself? You know, it, it's impossible, pretty much, unless you have a mirror, but they didn't have good mirrors in the ancient world, so that doesn't really apply here. We have to go to someone else and have them remove the object from our eye. We're incapable of doing it ourselves. And since Jesus here is talking about sin, that's the beam in our own eye, which distorts our whole way we see the world. Then he's saying that we need to go to him. And so before we have we lay any judgments upon our brothers or sisters, or we try to judge the evil of the world, we first recognize our own sins, turn to Christ, acknowledge our shortfalls, our, our total incapacity to live the life that he has called us to. And then when we go to him, we're forgiven, we're healed, and our sight is restored. And then we can begin to see the world as it really is. And we see it rightly, and we judge it confidently. Uh, because we judge with the judgment of Christ. And what is that? That's the judgment of mercy and forgiveness. So as Christians, we don't, we don't name the evil of the world because we're better than it. We don't, we don't call out those around us or call them to holiness or call them to be better because we're better than them. We do so because we have received the mercy of Christ and there's nothing greater than that. So if we call someone to holiness, it's because we want them to receive the same mercy that we received. Uh, it's, not, it's not of any sense of superiority. But we still, have, we still have the problem of hypocrisy. Uh, so how are we going to address this problem? And you think, I think... Our culture today sees hypocrisy along with maybe like pollution and intolerance as like the greatest evils. And aren't we as Christians the greatest of hypocrites? You know, we have this incredible morality, this super high standard of living. And yet other than maybe a few obvious saints among us, most of us, despite how hard we try or the, how, how much we strive for it, we fall short, we fall far short of the standards that we set for the world. So aren't we hypocrites? I'd say yes and no. Because I think, I think it's stupid and somewhat unreasonable to say that, that anyone who fails to live up to their creed or their moral code is a hypocrite. For, for then the only people in the world that wouldn't be hypocrites are people who either don't have a moral code at all which doesn't make a lot of sense, or someone who's, you know, their, their moral code is do whatever you want. Those people aren't hypocrites because literally they believe that you can do whatever you want. And, and it's, and it's kind of just ridiculous to say that, that in some ways the most pathetic of, of, of people who, who have no standards for themselves are the only ones who aren't hypocrites. So does that make sense? A hypocrite is, someone, is not someone who fails to live up to what they believe, but someone who professes a creed or moral code, and then uses it to their advantage to manipulate others. 
So undermines it on purpose in order uh, that they can use it to their advantage. So do those people exist within Christianity? Absolutely. Have we all done that at times? Have we all acted as true hypocrites at times where we've used, in a sense, our Christian faith to our advantage over against someone else? Yes, I think we've all done that. And maybe we do it from time to time. Do I think that's the great majority of Christianity? Not in my experience. Uh, if, if for no other reason than that, that Christianity is just not necessarily advantageous or cool today. Uh, maybe at some point in time there were a lot who lived in that sort of world. Uh, but, but, our, but our sort of creed and our moral teaching in the church today is seen as, is seen as judgmental and, and intolerant. Uh, and therefore it doesn't draw that type. And I think this more than any other reason uh, that is, is the reason why we're, we're called hypocrites so often by people in the world. Uh, and it's also the reason why when a Christian is a hypocrite, they're the worst kind of hypocrite. So John Henry Newman points out that for us, we're not, you're not a Pharisee or a hypocrite if you're trying not to be one. So, so if, you're, if we're aiming at knowing ourselves, knowing our shortfalls, knowing our sins, uh, and correcting ourselves when we know we're wrong, in a sense, if we're aiming at humility, if we're aiming at knowing the Lord in prayer, at judging the world rightly out of love and not judging the world out of a sense of superiority or, or righteous indignation, then we're not hypocrites. Certainly, we're failing but we're not failing in a hypocritical sense. But that doesn't really matter, because if the world calls us hypocrites, then it's our job to be called hypocrites. It, and what I mean by that is, it's, our, it's, it's part of our duty as Christians to be persecuted by the world, to be hated by the world. Jesus promised that. He actually named it in the Beatitudes uh, that we read in the Gospel just recently. That, that we are blessed if we're persecuted, and that we ought to take joy in that. Uh, because, in a sense, we're suffering with him on the cross. So how do we know where we stand? Whether we stand in the sort of like authentically striving for the Christian faith and, and trying to judge the world as Christ judges it with mercy and forgiveness, or whether we stand in the sort of realm of hypocrisy where, where we're using this morality and this and this identity as a Christian to our own advantage over against our neighbors. How do we know? Well, Jesus tells us in the gospel that we'll know by our fruit uh, and that he'll know by our fruit. So he gives us this sort of insight into where we are on this spectrum. I think all of you from your own experience know that, that you can sense whether someone is correcting you or judging you from a place of love from a place of understanding and mercy, or whether they're judging you from a place of a sense of superiority, from a place of hypocrisy. Uh, we, all, we all can get a pretty good sense of that. And, and it's easier to receive a correction when it's coming from someone who's coming from a place of love. Um, sometimes it's still difficult, but, but at least we know they're not uh, just trying to put us down in that sense. So we can see the fruit in our lives uh, 
in the way that we treat others, in the way that we judge others. Uh, We can know from the fruit of that whether or not we're coming from a place of love or a place of hypocrisy. And we can know that we will be judged by God as we judge others. And so if we bear good fruit, if we come at this from a place of love, from a place of receiving mercy and trying to give mercy, uh, then that's the way the Lord will judge us. Our tree will be bearing fruit and the Lord will cultivate that. He He will make it bear fruit. But as he says in the Gospels, the axe already lays at the foot of the tree of the hypocrite. Uh, And so if we're living from a place of harsh judgment, if we're judging others as as the person with the beam in their eye who's seeing splinters in everyone else's eye, then then the axe lays at the root of our tree and the Lord is ready to chop it down. We will be judged by Christ as we judge others. So I think as we prepare for Lent, you know, we're in the final days of sort of preseason for Lent, getting ready for that great season. It's like the, I don't know, I I love Lent. And as we prepare, what are we going to do to let the Lord reveal us to ourselves? It's hard to know yourself if you're the only one looking. It turns into sort of like navel-gazing and and introspection that leads to nothing except maybe either false self-affirmation or false self-condemnation. We have to let, someone else has to, in a sense, reveal us to ourselves. We're a mystery to ourselves. And so the Lord is the person who reveals us to ourselves. So what are we going to do in this season to let the Lord reveal who we really are? Because we're never going to make any progress in the spiritual life We'll never make any progress in the Christian walk until we know ourselves. Uh, Because we don't even know where to begin if we don't know ourselves. So, contemplate between now and Ash Wednesday what practice practice you're going to take on uh, to let the Lord, in a sense, reveal the reality of who you are to yourself and thus give you that true vision of the world that you can begin this walk forward, both in your own Christian life and then in helping others to receive the mercy of God and move forward themselves.